and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. I'm your host, Art, and we have less than a week to go till Thanksgiving. So I hope you're getting your, your stomachs all ready to eat more food than you can possibly imagine. I heard a podcast recently talking about the calorie intake that a average person will have on a holiday like Christmas or Thanksgiving. And it was horrifying. I think it was something like 6,000 calories in a day. I mean, that's crazy. So I got to get myself in shape so I'm ready to get my uh, 6,000 calories worth of food. Between now and Christmas, I'm going to be hopefully increasing my episode production. We're in quarantine again uh, as COVID is hitting our town pretty hard and, and starting to get into my family as well. You know, we're going to be inside a lot more, so I don't really have a whole lot of other things to do right now other than talk to you, which, you know, I enjoy that. I hope you do too, and it'll give you something to listen to as well. Uh, And so the plan is to at least continue weekly episodes on Monday and then have out a second episode on Fridays. So a little something to carry you through the week and then something for your weekend. And so today we're going to have another interview with an author her name is Nancy Johnson, and she's written uh, her second book. It's called The Vermont Homesteaders Christmas Memories. And it's a collection of short chapters where she talks about all the fun and craziness that she and her family have experienced homesteading in Vermont. So that was a really fun interview, and I'm really, really enjoying her book. These chapters are short. They're like maybe a page, page and a half. And she just has different witty observations. She writes about her life, her family, her dog Jolly, who I'm in love with. Uh, It's a really great book and you can find that on Amazon. And I encourage you to pick that up. I think here soon I'm going to have to start posting a list of all the books I'm recommending and all the stories I'm reading. So not only can I help keep them straight, but you folks can also kind of put together a cozy Christmas reading list. All right, I'll I'll quit rambling and we'll get into our show. And so first we'll have our interview with Nancy Johnson. I am here with author Nancy Carey Johnson, who has just published the book called uh, The Vermont Homemaker's Christmas Memories. And it's, it is full of wonderful memories and recipes and a lot of laughter. Uh, and I'm joined with Nancy on the phone right now. And Nancy, welcome to the Cozy Christmas Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Art. It's a pleasure to be here. Your sister had reached out to me. Uh, she's been acting kind of as a, a publicist for you, sounds like. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. I am so blessed to have her as my sister because <laughs> she knows much more about that stuff than I do. And right now I am so crazy busy that I just couldn't even begin to do it without her. You know, I was going to say, most uh, siblings don't always get along so well, but it sounds like you two at least are <laughs> are making yeah, it work. Yeah, Good. we do. Yeah. It's a funny thing, siblings, but this one getting and I, she and I get along beautifully. My sister and I, we, we, we tend to get along, but I like I do love to pick on her now and then. So <laughs> <laughs> That's what brothers do to sisters. <laughs> That's right. Uh, in, in fact, I, I don't know if I actually want her ever to be a guest on my podcast because she might <laughs> tell some stories about me that... <laughs> Right. That's, yeah, yeah. that would be a juicy one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Nancy, I, I am so glad your sister reached out because I hadn't heard of your book before. But now that I, I, I was able to get the uh, the Kindle version and I've been reading it this week and I'm really enjoying what you've put together. How would you describe your book? And could you tell us a little bit about it and about yourself? How would I describe my book? I'm an essayist, and the kinds of things I write would be akin to Irma Bombeck meets Chicken Soup for the Soul. So there's a lot of essays in there. Some are funny, some are poignant, some are good reminders. And then there's a bunch of essays. I've got, I think, or essays, recipes, excuse me. I've got 40 recipes, not including variations. So it's a combination of things all in one book. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the recipes sound really good. The uh, the brownie one especially I read um, had my <laughs> mouth watering. <laughs> oh, good. You know what? I love recipes that are really easy, like the brownie recipe has got, has got five ingredients, but it makes you look like a kitchen goddess or god if you're a cook baker. <laughs> I love stuff like that. It's like, ha! <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. They're very simple. Most of them. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I read that recipe and I, I thought, man, I could do that. I think. Sure, <laughs> I'm gonna you try can do it. that. I'm going to try it out. Just make sure yeah. you don't overbake them. That's the big secret. Do not overbake them. My daughter, we've been baking together a little bit during these last few months where we've had to be inside a lot more. So I've been trying to see what I can do in the kitchen and we've had some success. So she and I have been, we're going to, I think we're going to try out this, this brownie recipe not uh, right. in the near future. Well, I would love to know how it turns out for you. And it's really nice to have a baking buddy. Oh, yeah. Uh, for folks who aren't, aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how did you come about to write a book? Well, I am uh, married to Grizzly Adams Personified, and we have four <laughs> boys. Yeah, you're laughing. It's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have four boys, uh, and I never – I'm a singer-songwriter uh, and a caterer, but I never, ever really thought about being a writer, which is not one of those things that was on my radar at all. Uh, and then I had a friend on Facebook who said, please stop posting regurgitated memes and angry political posts. She said, I'm here because I want to know about how your day was, what you did, what you saw. So I thought, well, okay, I'll do that. And I started writing just that about the things that I saw, the things that I did. And little by little, I gained readers who, after a while, begged me to write a book. And I put them off with, I am not a writer. What are you crazy? Not me. Um, and finally somebody said, no, really, you should. I love your work, and if you do, I'll help you. I thought, well, okay. So I rolled up my sleeves and got my first book written, which was um, Life is Good, Wit and Wisdom from a Vermont Homesteader. And then then he just he dropped out of my life. He's like, oh, sorry, I've got other things to do. So I contacted an old friend who said, contact another old friend who was an editor, and I did. Uh, and so life was good. Life is good was born. Uh, and like, you know, writing a book, there's a lot to writing a book. You have, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but that's nothing compared to once the book is written, all the work that goes into it, all the, all the editing and, um, <clears throat> getting ready for publication and all the details. I had no idea. I was absolutely floored. So as I was in the middle of, Working full time and being and homesteading and being a wife and a mother, uh, <clears throat> trying to get my first book out. Stephanie, my editor, called me and said, "Okay, so have you started your next book yet? I think it should be a Christmas book." Wow, I almost fainted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just finished. <laughs> yeah, just finished. It was a week before Life is Good came out, but we also uh, we grow hemp, and there was just no way. I just did not have time to get it done. Uh, that was in July or just, yeah, just late July last year, 19, uh, 2019, that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't have the time. So I put it off. So this year I'm writing a critter book as well. Again, short stories and essays. Um, and sometime in June I thought, oh, Christmas is upon us and we'll be in no time. I'd best get writing. <laughs> <laughs> I spent an intensive four and a half months writing and then an even more intensive month and a half Getting editing and getting ready for publication. So it just came out a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Here you are. You're off and running. <laughs> off and running. Yeah. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about um, what what do you mean by homesteading? Well, homesteaders generally tend to try to do as much for themselves as possible. Okay. So I grow a really big garden. I have my garden is I don't know 2,200 square feet. Um, and I grow all kinds of things in it, root vegetables and leaf vegetables and tomatoes and corn and all that kind of stuff. And then I put everything up for the winter. We'll, we'll eat things fresh out of the garden. And you put a lot of stuff up for the winter. So it might be pickled beets or it could be um, potatoes or you might make dilly beans or corn relish, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, and also um, I have chickens and eggs. So we do stuff with that. And I don't make soap yet, but I'm looking to make soap. Um, uh-huh. Just, just as you know, we we heat with our firewood mostly. Um, so you just it's doing a lot of stuff for yourself, being self-sufficient as much sure. as you can be. We do a lot of uh, foraging as well, and making a lot of jellies and preserves, and mm-hmm. uh, just so many different things. Well, it, you got to have a just a connection to to nature and to your 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 land and and what you. Do I mean you? You put so much hard work into it, yeah. Uh, and then just to be able to say, you know, I hey, I made this, and you know, 
I don't know. I guess it puts some ownership on it. Yeah, it really does. It's a lot of work. And honestly, there are times when you're in the middle of it, you think, what am I doing? Why (laughs) am I doing this? But when you're on the other side and come November, you open up a can of pickle beets, for instance, a jar of pickle beets, I should say, then it's really worth it. It's really all worth it then. Yeah, sure. And you have the satisfaction of knowing that you've done it yourself and you know that the food hasn't been tampered with or doesn't have genetically modified something in it or a list of ingredients that you can't pronounce, then that's the good news. We've had a little garden, and I haven't really been a that much of a green thumb, but I thought we'd I'd try a few things out, and uh, especially like uh, tomatoes, and I, I did some uh, jalapeno peppers. And, oh, nice. Oh, man, they taste so much better than what you get at the store. Sure uh, they do. You know, it's... I tried. I had one from the uh, uh, jalapeno pepper from the store, and it was. I mean, it didn't even tingle my my mouth. It was, it was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much flavor lost. <laughs> well, also I think there's different varieties, but but you're right. There is a lot of flavor loss because by the time you grow it somewhere else, and it sits around, and it gets shipped, and then it sits again, yeah. you, you lose an awful lot. Yeah. Versus going out and picking it in your garden. And may I make a may I make a suggestion to you? Next uh-huh. year, if you grow tomatoes, try to find sun sugar tomatoes. They're cherry tomatoes and they're orangey. And normally, I don't love orange tomatoes. I don't think they have much flavor. These yeah. things are like popping sugar lumps in your mouth. They're amazing. Oh wow! <laughs> Definitely, my uh, my. Well, I think all of us love cherry tomatoes, so I might I'll, I'll look into those. <laughs> the sun sugar. Those are oh, wow. Sun sugars. Okay. Yeah. Those. Oh, and I'm getting hungry. <laughs> One thing about your book, since there's recipes in there, um, it, it'll make you hungry. So <laughs> that's the good news. That is the good news, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you write in your in your book that you you love Christmas. Uh, it didn't sound like it was very hard to to rack your memories and find all these great Christmas stories. No, I mean the answer is not hard. But it was interesting to me that you know I'd get a bunch of stories written. And then I think, oh, that's right. It's something that remind me of another story, and I'd have to get that down, too. I'm not one of those writers who just makes things up from thin air. I'm not a novelist, which mm-hmm. is why I thought, oh, I'm not a writer. I can, I'm not writing a book. I need to be inspired, is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Um, I need to see events or have something happen or go outside and see Christmas lights or whatever it is and, and have it trigger a memory or trigger a thought, and then I get it down, do mm-hmm. it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. I love Christmas, so it wasn't that hard, uh, other than when I was doing it under a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then it becomes well, work. <laughs> well, yeah. It was still fun. It was still a lot of fun, but it's also – and then doing it in the middle of summer. I started in June. Well, I started some last year, and then I wrote a little bit over the winter, but really put it aside. And then June, in the hottest month, it was a month. It was a hot, dry summer. And I'm writing about Christmas thinking, what am I, out of my mind? (laughs) (laughs) You do what you have to do. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I I started the podcast just this year, and I was recording my first episodes in uh, late late June and early July, you know, and I, (laughs) I I live in August, or I live in Iowa, and it's hot and humid, and it's about as un-Christmassy feeling as you can get, so. Yeah. Just so turn, turn the air conditioner down. Really high. Yep. Freeze to death. Make yourself a cup of hot cocoa and pretend. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned you're a, a musician too. Uh, I am. Yeah, and that you love uh, Christmas music. Uh, now, are you one that will play it or sing it all year? I'll- yes, I actually I am. Probably sometime in January, I give it a rest for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but come February, I'm happy to do it. And actually, having said that, every time it snows, Christmas music pours out of me. There's something mm-hmm. about snow for me and Christmas music. I don't think I could live in Hawaii during December or Christmas. I'd be I'd be beside myself. It would be too warm. There's no snow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. all all year long. I love Christmas music. I love particularly Christmas carols, but I love a lot of Christmas music as well. Do Do you have a a couple songs that are your all time favorite, or is is that like picking your favorite child? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's probably like picking my favorite child. My a couple of favorite Christmas carols. One is Once in Royal, David City, which was my dad's favorite. And I should mm-hmm. talk about that in the book. Yeah. Um, and then also Silent Night. Oh, I love Silent Night. Uh, and then there's all the 
you know, so many other ones, the ones that move along, Angels We Have Heard on High or Ding Dong Merrily on High. Love yep. them. And then, you know, it's really funny because I, I really do make the distinction between Christmas music and Christmas carols. Carols are more religious. Music is not. Um, right. But there's still things like chestnuts resting on an open fire. Um, love that. Yep. Yep. Or, um, oh, it's escaping me at the moment. A million of them. Winter Wonderland. I, I, that kind of thing. Just yeah. a lot of fun. You know, one of my favorite songs uh, is uh, in the bleak midwinter, and oh, love it. yeah, and I, you know, I, I knew of the song, uh, but it didn't become a favorite until maybe four or five years ago. And I heard a pianist, uh, Doug Hammer, uh, that he put out a Christmas album of of solo piano music, and he plays the most beautiful arrangement of that song on on his album. I think it's called Noel. Uh, but he, yeah, he played in the bleak midwinter, and I thought, man, this is a beautiful song. And so yeah. then you go and look up the lyrics, and the, the lyrics are profound and, and sacred, and uh, has a good message to it, and all that. It's but that's that's kind of been one of my favorites lately. And his version of the song, you know, I kind of wait to listen to it until it gets closer to Christmas time because that really puts me in the in the Christmas mood. Oh, nice. Well, my my oldest son, he's. He's going to turn 18 this year, and he's been taking piano lessons for um, a good 10 years, maybe longer now. And a couple of years ago, he learned to play that that rendition on the piano, and I was like, "Oh, I'm so happy! It sounded so nice." <laughs> yeah, it, it, what yeah. a gift to you! How really nice thing to have happen. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, then he played it. Uh, for some special music at our church, and uh, it was it was really nice. Christmas music, I love it. it you get all these different styles. You get um, you get everything from somber to to sacred to uh, to joyful. You know, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely uh, it's really great. It, it really is great. Yeah, I really, I have to say, I really love them. Just so much fun. I have a friend who sings Christmas carols to her children, Christmas songs and carols every single night to put them to bed. Oh, yeah. Oh, neat. I love a tender spirit, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of people who say, ah, it's too early, it's too early. And I think, no, I don't think so. I think it's not. (laughs) That's right. I always tell them, well, it's too early for you, but for me, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it gives, you know, for those of us who love it, it brings you such joy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and there's just a certain joy even in, in playing it or, uh, you know, for I'm not a musician. I, I can play like five basic chords on the guitar. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's something I taught myself a couple of years ago and it's just been kind of fun. Uh, but even just being able to create something like music is is so I don't know. It gives me a lot of joy. And, and you know, and then I watch my son play the piano, and man, he burns up the keys. You know, the piano smoking yeah. when he's done. And <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, he gets a lot of joy out of that. And I think that's awesome. I think that's really yeah. amazing. And it's you know, music um, touches so much of our lives and, and our body and our souls and our cells. I mean, if you there's all sorts of videos and information out there when they play music, they they measure cell movement and things like that. And mm-hmm. it's amazing how things move and the formations that they make, different cells and what have you, molecules. It's just, it's amazing. It's really cool. And it's because music really touches us deep into our souls. Yeah. And then things like sleigh ride, you know, I hear the sleigh bells tingling, ring, ding, tingling too. Ah, love it. Love it. <laughs> so much fun. So Christmassy. It makes me want to go get into a one-horse open sleigh and yep. or something. And and just to have a wonderful time. Not so easy to do that these days, unfortunately. But boy, would I love to be able to do that. We had a little bit of snow a couple of weeks ago, kind of an early nice. snow. And I, I, I'm like you. I had my Christmas music playing, and I was in a happy mood. <laughs> I know. Most of the people I know think I'm crazy because I love cold weather and I love snow. I don't look oh, nice, yeah. but you know, cold weather and snow makes me really happy. Oh, you know, the happiest day of my life is when it's close to Christmas and it's freezing cold out and I can play my Christmas music and I'm, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I'm not I'm not entirely crazy then. Okay, good. Oh no, no, no. not at all. Uh, a couple other stories I've read in your book have to do with your your dog uh, Jolly. Yeah. Uh, I I am an animal lover, and unfortunately, we're not able to have any pets where we're at. But uh, I know I've got some uh, uh, animal lovers in, among our audience. Can you tell us a little bit about about the the story about how you found your dog, or actually how wow. she found you? She found us. It was the last week of November into the first week of December, and we had an uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically cold weather. It was cold. It was snowing. It was icy. It was just a literally like a week and a half of nonstop winter, cold, icy snow, nonstop. One day, my husband, we put some a slop out on the back porch, and he the next morning, he said, wow, those coyotes are brazen. Look at all those paw prints. And then uh, at one point, I looked out the window, and just a little bit of movement caught my eye. It was off our, our um, kitchen deck porch, and I thought, gee, that almost looks like a dog. But, of course, I knew I was crazy because there was no dog there. And then one morning at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning, my youngest son and I went out to feed the birds, and we heard a dog barking, and we looked over, and there was Jolly. She was up and down on her back hind legs. Um, barking at us, and she was freezing. She was freezing and falling, so we lured her into the house. Um, so with some leftover meat, and then I had just made cranberry muffins that morning, so we gave her warm cranberry muffins as well. And she really, she was so scrawny, she could, my boys could put their hands around her waist. It was awful, and it was so mm-hmm. cold, it was terrible. So we brought her into the house and fed her and put her right by the wood stove, and, um, that was really that. That's how we got Jolly. What we found out later, my son Wilder had said he'd seen her up and down the roads for about a week, and he tried to get her into the car, and she wouldn't come. Um, and where we lived at the time, there was like a very – it was a, open to the public. There was a house on it, but it was still open to the public and a very secluded parking lot. And what we think happened is that somebody just dropped her off and tied her to a tree, and that was that. So she was walking around with a collar that had absolutely no identifying anything, any information at all, and she a true leash. So I think that was meant to be. My youngest son, North, had actually said to me that, um, oh, maybe in October, he turned and said, Mom, I'm going to have a dog by Christmas. And I thought, yeah, good luck, pal, because my husband doesn't necessarily believe in animal husbandry. Um, and while he loves dogs and animals, he just he can't ever bring himself or couldn't bring himself to get a dog because then he would be the one to decide their fate, what time they ate, what they ate, when they could go out, that kind of thing, and that made him uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, uh, as it turns out, North was right. He It was December 3rd that Jolly came into our lives, and he turned to me and said, see, Mom, I told you we were going to have a dog before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were right, kiddo. We did. <laughs> That's neat. Well, and I, I like that, um, as you put it in your book, that Jolly found you <laughs> and yeah. uh, almost adopted you into her, into her life, I suppose you could say. Yeah. I, it just bugs me when people abandon their animals like that, though. It's It it's, breaks uh, my heart. Yeah, it breaks my heart. And it makes me so upset. I can't, if I really think about it, I, I just can't because I can't save them all, although God knows I wish I could. Yeah. And because I can't save them all, I can't think about it too much because it makes me crazy. So right now I have four dogs. <laughs> I have 444 dogs. Oh, yeah, there's there's a lady I know in 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 town here. She we we all laughingly call her the crazy cat lady, but she will pick up strays and and take them to the vet and make sure they get uh neutered or, or spayed and uh you know, make sure their shots are up to date and takes care of them and Tries to find them a good home and all that. But and she's uh, a very kind woman who really cares. And she obviously yes. walks the walk and not doesn't just talk the talk. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Her her husband likes to joke that he thinks that the uh neighborhood knows that she'll take care of unwanted cats so they <laughs> th- throw them over her fence into her yard <laughs> instead you of know, abandoning them. <laughs> there could be some truth to that. It's possible. I mean, it's certainly better than just leaving them on the side of the road. So it is. It is. Oh, um, but wow. yeah, I, I, uh, I, 
love the couple of stories I read uh, about about Jolly. So I'm I'm glad uh, she's bringing some joy uh, to you folks. She is. She's such a good girl. Yeah. She's a key for that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Although um, she does have a jealous bone. She's very kind. She really is. She's very good with other dogs most of the time, mm-hmm. anyway, or other animals. But she has a jealous bone. Oh. Oh yeah. So Christmas. Um, one Christmas. We've given dog uh, Jolly and Bear, who is one of my one of my boys has a dog named Bear, and given them both Christmas bags. And uh, Bear was really interested in what was a bag, what was in it, and he kept looking around and sticking his big blocky head in to try to figure it out. And Jolly went and took every toy, every toy, every treat, and she sat on them on her bed, and even even his. And so I thought, well, apparently we did not do a very good job raising this dog. <laughs> Quite a while ago now, we had a back when we had a dog. Uh, she really attached herself to me, and mm-hmm. my my wife and I could be sitting on the couch, and uh, we called her Rosie, and and Rosie would jump up and try to wedge herself in between us, you know, <laughs> if we were watching TV or something, and and my wife wasn't too keen on that. She's like, nope, sorry, dog. <laughs> this is my well, spot. Well, <laughs> Rosie was jealous and wanted you. <laughs> That's you right. That's funny. Well, so I put her kind of wedged on the other side of me. She could snuggle on the <laughs> other side. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're between two adoring women. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> it was. It was good. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> now you you also mentioned that you you don't watch a lot of movies yourself, but there are a couple of films that you do uh, at Christmas time. You like? See, I believe it was Rudolph and was it Frosty? Rudolph and Frosty. Yep. Oh yeah, wow. yeah, two two staples for sure. It's like there's a Christmas touchstone for me. Those are the kinds of things like that says Christmas. Thanksgiving yeah. is over, and the mama Thanksgiving is over. And thankfully, I have it on video because I don't stay awake very well during movies. And that we make a date, and we sit down with popcorn and hot cocoa, and we watch Frosty or Rudolph first, always, and then Frosty. I I can remember them, you know, when they'd come on the TV, uh, and I'm pretty sure it would be around. Christmas Eve or so is when we would watch them. And I, I, I know they were on off and on probably uh, earlier. I can remember one, you know, it was Christmas Eve. I was so excited for Christmas and I couldn't wait. And I was really happy to have something to watch because by the time it got done, you realized, oh, well, an hour it's gone by and now it's time for bed and then it'll be Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it helped, helped pass the time when you're antsy. <laughs> when you're eager and can't wait. Oh, I, yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, and and even especially uh, Rudolph. I, I know that was one we watched a lot, and even now the the music or if I hear a clip of it, it just instantly makes me think, oh, tomorrow's Christmas. No way. Yeah. <laughs> it's only November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Soon it will be tomorrow for Christmas, right? That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's really fun. The kinds of things that really um, almost define us from our childhood, and the things that really bring us joy. Simple things. Like watching Rudolph is a simple thing, and yet it brings me, as an adult, it brings me such joy, and seemingly you as well, and mm-hmm. Christmas, again, Christmas music, and just the things that really anchor us to our past and to our present, um, and allow us to remember good memories, but also to make new and wonderful memories. Mm-hmm. Such simple things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know so many of us and sometimes I get trapped in this too. We want to make things super complicated. You know, I want to have the best Christmas ever, so I'm going to do all these things and 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 what we found out is that you're so busy doing stuff, it it just flies by. Right. You wonder what just happened, but I I think one thing that is going to be a good result of this time that we're living in right now is that a lot of us are having to slow down like we don't have a choice (laughs) uh and and i think that's going to be so so good for us to help make memories you know really just takes you know bake some brownies put on a some music and do a puzzle and that's going to be a fun night and but that's exactly right it doesn't have to be complicated to be wonderful and these are the things that that your children will remember forever and when times get hard for them in their life, because everybody has hard times, these are the kinds of memories that they will be able to pull from their memory bank and fall back on and give them a sense of home and a sense of comfort. And it's simple stuff. You're right. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be about money. It doesn't have to be about gifts. It's about love. Right. And joy. 
Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my daughter's favorite Christmas memories, she told me this, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, but it was, it was a few years ago and she woke up at like two or three in the morning on, on Christmas Eve night, you know, and, and she was too excited to sleep. Um, <laughs> so she kind of was making noise or something in her room and, and I, it woke me up. I, you know, I, I was like, well, I'm wide awake now, you know. <laughs> so I, I stayed in her room and I just laid on the floor and she laid in her bed and she had a string of Christmas lights in her room. And we just sat there and talked and sang songs to each other and just had a, we just had a great time for like four hours until it was time to get up. <laughs> wow. And, you know, I could have just told her to, you know, just go to bed and try to sleep. But I, I thought since it's Christmas Eve, I'll do something different. And I mean, she told me, she's like, that was so fun. And what I didn't tell her is that I was hurting so much by, by morning because <laughs> I was laying on the floor. <laughs> And I'm not as young as I used to be, so <laughs> I told her next time uh, you get the floor, I'll take your bed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that you should say that because you just triggered a memory in me. When oh, yeah. I was growing up, I used to have uh, Christmas lights in my bedroom, and then my mom got me a small, very small Christmas tree, a fake one, and I used to have that and plug it in at Christmas time, too, and I used to just... Again, the joy it brought me just having the Christmas lights there was just amazing. Yeah. Such simple pleasures and yet really huge. Yeah. Yeah. Our our neighbor uh, across the street, they put up their Christmas tree already. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see that tree. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, do you have any, uh, any other favorite uh, Christmas memories or – um, or a tradition uh, that you do that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, it's funny. I all of a sudden that had all kinds of memories come to me that I thought, oh, I should have put that in my book. Oh, I should have used that. And I didn't. And that's fine. It is what it is. <clears throat> but one of my favorite memories is my dad. My mom did all the Christmas shopping and all the Christmas everything. And she would go crazy and overboard. But my favorite gift was always the one that my dad gave me, always. He went shopping for all uh, all of us and then but one gift each. And that was that. But it was always the best gift I got. And I think it's because he put so much thought into what to give us. And to this day, that was like my daddy's gift. And I'm sure my mother probably broke her heart or at least ticked her off a little bit. Um, because she really put a lot of work into it as well, but mm. it was just, it was a kindness and it was a thought that my dad put into it. it made such a huge difference. Yeah. Oh, it, it seems like those gifts, it might be simple or even handmade at times, but it's, it's, uh, sometimes they just really connect with you. They do. And I actually, one of the thoughts that I think that are really important to me and I would love to be able to say to you just, to your mm -hmm. listeners would be one of the issues that I have with Christmas is that people make themselves crazy. It goes back to having a simple Christmas. It's like we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and we need to have the latest and the greatest and you have to buy stuff. And I'm thinking, no, and then everybody stresses out. It doesn't have to be about that. I go back to it's about love. The kinds of gifts that could be so important and or so important to other people would be like a gift of time or a gift of skill. So you might be very crazy busy uh, and need a birthday cake, and I could bake you one. Or somebody might need pictures hung. Well, it's not going to cost you any money. You're just going to have to provide your labor. could be your, your neighbor, for instance, or somebody who broke a leg and needs a dog walk for a couple of weeks. There's so many ways to give. There's so many ways in a, to be a service. And, and it, again, it can be simple stuff, but it brings people such joy. And it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a big thing that we really, it's lovely to get gifts. It's lovely to have people think about you and consider you. But it's also lovely to have people give from their heart something that, that you can really use. And it won't hurt them at all. I, yeah. I'm never comfortable when people spend a lot of money on me. I'm thinking, no, keep that money for yourself, for your family, for your my boys, for instance, I'm thinking, you could use it for your vehicle, buy a truck or for your, you know, whatever it is. And I just don't need much anymore. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah. old, but, I, you know. I have no, I, 
yeah, I get it. Yeah. It, it get to the point where I, maybe it's, you just learn to be satisfied with, with what you have and, and grateful yeah. for what you have. And how uh, blessed we are. Oh yeah. So much. So blessed. Definitely. We, we've, I've got my family with me right now. We're all, uh, more or less healthy and, you know, and that's good. And as you say, life is good. Life is good. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Nancy, I want to thank you for taking some time to chat with me. Again, I, I recommend her book. You can find it on, on Amazon. She's got two on there. Uh, again, the, the life is good. And then the, the Christmas memories book. And I mean, this is a perfect read. It's, it, you know, short, short chapters. You can read a couple a night by the, by the Christmas tree. I think a lot of folks will get some enjoyment out of that. Oh, thank you. Uh, you bet. And thank you again, Nancy, for stopping by. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. All right. Well, you have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas. All right. Next, Grace and I continue our chat from a couple of weeks ago. And this time we're talking Thanksgiving and food. And yeah, I'm hungry. And so while I play this for you, I'm going to go see if I can scrounge up some goodies. All right. Well, it's November now and we got Thanksgiving coming up. Do you uh, have any any hopes or desires for Thanksgiving? You know, I would really like to go see my grandparents. Because we saw them in the summer in August, mm-hmm. I want to say. So it hasn't been, like, too terribly long. But we are used to seeing them, like, every month at least once. Because they moved to Missouri from Omaha, which is in Nebraska, where they used to live. And we live in Iowa, right on the edge of Iowa. But it was always, like... They were just close if we needed anything because they were only about like 45 minutes away. Yeah. And now they're, yeah. you know, 11 hours away. So, yeah, yeah. I'd really like to go see them for Thanksgiving. I'd really hope they could come out here for Christmas. So, if not, we'll, uh, we'll make some new memories here at home, right? Mm-hmm. We usually go to their house, like, all the years before, we've gone to their house for Thanksgiving, and they've come here for Christmas. But hopefully we can do the same thing. It's We might not be able to with COVID. Also, I have a quick question for you. Yes. You guys listening. This has kind of been hard for some people to decide. Do you have turkey or ham for Thanksgiving? Because we have turkey Mm, but mm -hmm. i've heard of people who have ham on thanksgiving and turkey on christmas well that's backwards (laughs) exactly you're supposed to have turkey on thanksgiving and ham on christmas i don't understand just ham is really good on christmas and turkey is good on thanksgiving (laughs) well and i've told you that uh when i was a kid we had we had turkey for both christmas and thanksgiving yeah. Um, so it was kind of strange when we got married. Well, what? didn't mom have ham mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving? No, no, she had or... she had turkey on Thanksgiving and ham on Christmas, okay. like a, a spiral ham, honey glazed spiral ham. <sighs> I I don't know. We like I said, we compromised and did it her way. So, oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and me. Usually have for both Thanksgiving and Christmas these delicious rolls. Ugh. Mm, yes, those rolls are good, and I I think they're just from the store, aren't they? Sometimes. Or, or are they homemade? One year she, not that long ago actually, she made homemade rolls. Those oh were yeah. So. Oh no, good. yeah, they are homemade, and then boy, they're so good leftover too. You just heat them in the microwave Once, a few I minutes think, and i think mm. one year i had like four or five <laughs> in like one sitting i don't know what about um stuffing uh you know like turkey stuffing yeah you liked stuffing it's you know i don't hate it so. someone in our family does just hates it is it right. one of the one of the brothers yeah yeah well he, he's a weirdo anyway but uh, <laughs> uh but i love um, stuffing like like if I could just cover my entire plate with stuffing and then put all the other Thanksgiving stuff on top of that and then cover it all with gravy 
it's just this giant mess, but it sure would taste good. Tell you what. Yeah. Uh, well, now I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm like in the middle about stuffing. I'll eat it. Like I'll, I usually have some on um, Thanksgiving, but like if I could just eat it every day, I probably wouldn't eat it every day. Yeah, no, I don't love it that much. Mm. But. Boy, uh, maybe about 10 years ago or, or no longer ago now, uh, I had my wisdom teeth out. <laughs> Uh, right after New Year's and at like thirty two. Yeah. At uh, thirty. And yep, yep. I was an adult and uh then we went to um to your grandparents' house for a belated Christmas celebration uh on New Year's and my mouth was so sore and this the surgery you know, th- well, I'll spare you the details, but I was having a lot of trouble with with uh, recovery and healing from it. So I couldn't, I could barely even open my mouth and and chew. So for about three or four days, I ate nothing but gravy and stuffing with tiny, teeny, tiny bits of turkey cut up in it, so that I could chew it. And I still didn't get tired of it. It was so good. So even today, as kind of a comfort food, I'll I would love to have just like in a bowl some stuffing, turkey, and gravy, and just all mixed together into a mush, and then eat it. Oh, it's nothing better than that. And then get a good strong cup of coffee, and you're set. Was I born yet? I don't think you were born yet. Yeah, you weren't born yet. So that was a long time ago. Back when I was a wee little boy. <laughs> okay, Dad. Um. <laughs> Uh, well, we're as we head into November. I hope you all have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I will. Whether you eat ham or turkey. Whether you eat <laughs> ham or turkey, uh, you weirdos. Um, <laughs> have a have have a happy, happy November. No, we'll be back next week, hopefully, and talk to you some more in December. Well, in November. Well. Or maybe you were in December. I don't know. Yeah, like if Never I'll mind. probably won't be here again until December, but yeah. So. We'll fit you in somewhere. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Have a good November. Bye. Bye, Gracie. Bye. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I forgot our joke. <laughs> okay, what? Uh, hey, Gracie, how does a polar bear build its house? Mm. It glues it together. <laughs> Supposed to be how a penguin well, builds I, I, its house. I said polar bear because you like bears. I know. Okay. Let's try that joke again. Okay. Hey, Gracie. Yeah. This is not staged at all. How does a polar bear build its house? Hmm, I wonder. It's right up there on the chalkboard, but I have no idea. It glues it together. Ha 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 ha. I totally didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone. Sorry. We're <laughs> I am really looking forward to Thanksgiving this year. I mean, it's going to be the, the kickoff to, you know, the official Christmas season. I know we're going to be able to decorate sometime after that. There are some people at home that don't want to see Christmas lights up yet, and I suppose I have to respect their wishes, <clears throat> but uh, it's okay. It's okay. A-, a month to six weeks is plenty of time to have Christmas decorations up, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. So by now, I'm sure there's people with lights are starting to go up and decorations are coming out. I'm really looking forward to seeing what your houses look like. I mean, I'm not going to be like hiding out in the bushes watching you. That's, you know, creepy and possibly illegal. Uh, if you post your pictures, uh, I'd love to see them. That will help spread some Christmas cheer that way. For our story time today, I'm going to read a, a couple of poems. One, again, is by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Now, I read his poem, Christmas in the Heart, a couple of episodes ago. I really enjoyed reading his poetry, and he would write about slavery and the struggle that the African-American would have, has in the country. And, you know, I've heard the phrase or the title, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. I didn't realize it, it came from a poem of his. Penguin Books says this of him on the back of one of their uh, 
books of his poetry, it says that his plantation lyrics, written while he was an elevator boy in Ohio, established Dunbar as the premier writer of dialect poetry and garnered him international recognition. More than a vernacular lyricist, Dunbar was also a master of classical poetic forms who helped demonstrate to post-Civil War America that literary genius did not reside solely in artists of European descent. And I'm sure that came as a surprise to many of them. I have to say, and I'm kind of disappointed, I guess, in myself and as well as my education, that I've never heard of this guy before. I didn't even come across him until I was doing some research looking for some Christmas stories and Christmas poems written by people with a, a wider diversity than just your old white guy. You know, not that I have anything against old white men. Um, you know, I'm going to be one one day. Um, anyway, so I, I was in the process of looking for a wider group of, of literature to pull from. I, I did come across Dunbar's poetry, and I'm really grateful I did because he was indeed a master of language. Now, I'm not going to read his poems um, of what they called the dialect poetry. You know, that's just not going to come out right coming from me. Well, I'll read one more of his poems from the Christmas in the Heart one I read. And here's another one called Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Ring out, ye bells. All nature swells with gladness at the wondrous story. The world was lorn, but Christ is born to change our sadness into glory. Sing, earthlings, sing. Tonight a king hath come from heaven's high throne to bless us. The outstretched hand o'er all the land is raised in pity to caress us. Come at his call, be joyful all, away with mourning and with sadness. The heavenly choir with holy fire, their voices raise in songs of gladness. The darkness breaks and dawn awakes, her cheeks suffused with youthful blushes. The rocks and stones in holy tones are singing sweeter than the thrushes. Then why should we in silence be when nature lends her voice to praises, when heaven and earth proclaim the truth of him for whom that lone star blazes? No, be not still, but with a will, strike all your harps and set them ringing. On hill and heath let every breath throw all its power into singing. You can find a lot of Dunbar's poetry on Amazon. There's a lot that's there free, or you can buy it on a book uh, in book form. It might be a nice addition to your Christmas book collection. Uh, I do have one more poem today. Uh, November 11th was Veterans Day, and I do want to thank those of you who serve uh, I am very grateful for the freedoms that I enjoy today. And I've had several family members in the military. I know at some years they've had to spend Christmas apart from their family, and that's been really difficult. I want to read a poem by the poet Joyce Kilmer. Now, he is a relative of mine. I'm not sure to the exact family connection, but the people in my family who have traced family histories say that we're related somehow, so I'll take their word for it. Joyce Kilmer ended up serving in World War I, and unfortunately he was one of the many, many Americans that died during that war. Uh, you might know him from his uh, famous poem called The Trees. I had to look this up because I thought there was a statue or something of Joyce Kilmer in New York, but it looks like there's a Joyce Kilmer park, and I <laughs> I looked it up online and it says this, The South Bronx is not where you'd expect to see an ornate white marble monument featuring mermaids, dolphins, nude women, and seashells. But that's where you'll find the Lorelei Fountain at 161st Street in the Grand Concourse. Anyway, I, and so I was laughing to myself because I've never been to New York, but everything I've heard about it, you know, that's probably exactly where I would expect to find that kind of thing. <laughs> And Joyce Kilmer was Catholic, and he's written a lot of poetry that reflects his faith and describes a lot of the uh, nature around him. And I love that he was able to find beauty even in the middle of such a terrible war as World War I. And so this poem is called Wartime Christmas by Joyce Kilmer. 
led by a star, a golden star, the youngest star, an olden star. Here the kings and the shepherds are, a kneeling on the ground. What did they come to the inn to see? God in the highest, and this is he, a baby asleep on his mother's knee, and with her kisses crowned. Now is the earth a dreary place, a troubled place, a weary place. Peace has hidden her lovely face and turned in tears away. Yet the sun through the war cloud sees babies asleep on their mother's knees. While there are love and home in these, there shall be Christmas Day. A short little poem, but really, really beautiful. I love his description of how, you know, he starts us off with the Christmas story and how, and how Jesus, you know, is asleep on Mary's knee and she crowns his head with kisses. And boy, we could look ahead to all kinds of symbolism with that, with his crucifixion and all, all those things. But then I like how he brings it up to his modern day, you know, during this war that he sees the earth, it's a, it's a dreary and troubled place and it's weary and it seems like peace has been hidden and turned away and yet the sun shines through the war clouds on those innocent people, the babies asleep on their mother's knee and that while there's love, there's home and, and there's these, these, this tender mother-child love, as long as these things endure, there will be Christmas Day. And I thought it was such a great reminder in our time today that, you know, again, the same old thing. People are saying Christmas will be canceled and this and that. And, you know, it is going to be tough. It's going to be hard as we see these numbers rising uh, every day. But remember, Christmas Day is coming. Nothing can stop it. And so take opportunity to celebrate love, to celebrate your home, to celebrate your family. As long as these things endure, there will be Christmas Day. So there's a couple of poems for you to consider today and maybe some new new to you poets. Okay, that will uh, end my uh, the episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, if you like what we're doing, head over to uh, ko-fi.com. You can make a donation there for the price of a cup of coffee um, as well as my Etsy shop. I, am, I know I keep saying I'm going to add more to it, but I will. I will. Gotta give me time. <laughs> also remember that I am the king of procrastination. So there's that. I hope you all take care. And I'm really, I'm looking forward to uh, being back here Monday and spending Thanksgiving week with you. I've got some very special episodes coming up, including I'll drop one on Thursday next week with an interview and a special Thanksgiving story. So I'll see you Monday. In the meantime, be kind to each other and share your stories. And remember, there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. Have a very Merry Christmas. Is it a turtle?